0: Did did you know of of all the instances that that Jesus referred to people's faith? Two times he said people had great faith. Two times. That means you're probably not going to see it very often. And it's not the luck of the draw or by sovereign choice who gets great faith and who gets little faith. But there's just a few people that will say, God, I want all of of you that there is. And I trust you with all of my heart. I lean not unto my own understanding. In all my ways I acknowledge you, and you will direct my paths. That is a person who has come to the place of great faith. But there's two places where Jesus said someone had great faith. Um, it was the Seraphim woman and the Roman centurion whose, whose servant was sick unto death. And it's interesting, the two things that they had in common was that they were releasing their faith on behalf of someone else. They were, it wasn't for themselves. They were releasing their faith for someone else. Okay? Now, two times he said someone had great faith. The thing they had in common was they were both releasing their faith on behalf and for the benefit of someone else. Okay? See, a person who has faith knows that God has their back. I don't have to deal with me first. Now, you need to deal with you before the crisis. And then when the crisis comes, then you don't have to think about yourself. Now, that has to be taught because you would not do that naturally. But you're getting what you need to get through the crisis. Amen? And so you've got to, before the crisis, you don't wait till it starts sprinkling before you start building the ark. God warned Noah 100 years. What do you think if Noah would have waited for 75 years before, or 25 years before the flood, um, and then said, well, you know what, I better start doing something. Do you think he'd get it built on time? No. It would not have gotten built on time. You know, you don't wait till it starts raining to start building your ark. Now, you know, there's mercy and, uh, and God is, uh, is all powerful and he can he can throw you out a, a two by six board. You know what I'm saying? And you just hang on, hanging on that two by six board. You know, that's supposed to have been on the side of the ship. You know what I'm saying? And he can save you and get you through something. But it's so much nicer being inside the ark. Amen. But you need to prepare yourself before any crisis comes in your life. Then you can be in the mindset, in the place to help someone else. And that's a person with great faith. People of great faith have no concern or thought for their own needs. They're only concerned for the needs of others. Okay, so two times he said someone had great faith. The thing they had in common was they were both releasing their faith for the benefit uh, of another all right. Now, four times Jesus said that someone had little faith and they were his disciples. They were his disciples. All right. They should have known better. And, and let me tell you this. Jesus spoke this to me in Columbia. He said, I never rebuke someone who should not have known better. You know, you don't get on to your kids when they do something wrong, if they didn't know better. When you get on to them is when they did know better. When they should have known better, you know, but they thought that maybe they caught you in a different mood where they can get away with something. New. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if your kids are like that, but mine, can, mine can be that way. You know, kids are kids. You know what I'm saying? But you never, Jesus never corrected someone who should not have known better. Now he might correction is not a bad word either. We think of getting corrected as getting in trouble. No, it's getting help. It means they cared enough for me to tell me to to take time out of their life to fix my stupid. That's what correction means. Quit viewing correction as being in trouble. That's the reason why people miss harvest because they don't receive correction. Now, a person has to qualify to bring correction in my life, not just any, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry, you know, that that has something to say to me, you know, that has an opinion. Everybody's going to have an opinion. You know, I mean, how is you, how's that working for your life? You know what I'm saying? Everybody has opinions, but no, you've got to be able to, you have to identify the people in your life that you will respect enough to listen to what they have to say. You know, it should be your spouse. Maybe a person or two in your family. And not a lot of them. Maybe nobody in your family. I mean, I'm just saying the truth. The Bible says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There are some things thicker than blood. <laughs> it's the blood of Jesus. Amen. And that's what unites us in Christ. Amen. There might be a brother or sister in Christ that you could pour your heart out to and trust with your life that you couldn't with your mama. Or your brother, your biological brother or sister. You may not be able to tell him much. You could go out and have a nice lunch with him, but you just kind of keep it, keep it simple. You know what I'm talking about? So there's a few people, and you have to identify who those people are so that when the correction comes, you'll know whether or not to listen to it. Because everybody's got an opinion. And then you've got to know my life. You think you know all about me, so you're going to tell me how to fix it. You don't even know my life. Come on. Don't come to me with your pearls of wisdom. (laughs) Amen. You know, to, to... You don't have to receive from everybody, but you do have to identify who those people are. And if you've got those people identified, he's not going to have some unknown stranger come up to you on the street, some strange prophet and come tell you something. No, it's going to be from that person or persons, few of them. You You don't need a lot of friends. You need just a few good friends. Just a few good friends that understand you. That when they speak to you, they know enough about your life to know whether or not their pearl of wisdom applies or not. See what I'm saying? And so we miss out on harvest. Why? Because we don't receive correction well. We're not teachable. We think we know it all already. Look with me in Proverbs 10. I was saying we need to be... Prepared before any crisis arises. Then we can be in a position of great faith. To release our faith for the help and benefit of another. Without thinking of ourselves right. Now two times. I'm going to get this out. Two times. Jesus told people. That they had great faith. And the one thing they both had in common. Was that they were releasing their faith. For the benefit of someone else. Not themselves. All right. All right. Four times he said people had little faith. Say little faith. faith. And it's interesting to me because he was talking to his disciples each time. Okay. Um, Four times he said his disciples had little faith and and rebuked them, corrected them, uh, and saying, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why haven't you been listening to what I've been saying? Or have you been listening to me? You should have been listening to me. Where did you doubt? Because I don't know where it could be on my part because I told you. So you need to tell me. It's why God said to Adam, Adam, where art thou? And God says to his disciples, wherefore didst thou doubt? It's because it ain't on my part. It's on yours. You should have known better because I know I told you. <laughs> and, and so uh, what's interesting to me is that their faith was for themselves. All four things, the, the four occasions he said to his disciples, they had little faith. The one thing they had in common is that it was for the benefit and the safety of themselves. Now, does that mean it's wrong to pray for yourself? No, it's when you pray for yourself, that's where the problem lies. The time to pray for yourself is not in the middle of the storm. The time to pray for yourself is before you get on the boat. When there's not a cloud in the sky and it's not this desperate cry. Lord Jesus, save us, we perish. No, it's Lord, I thank you. You're my God, and your arm's not too short that it cannot save. I don't know what I'm going to encounter today, but you do. And greater is he that's in me than he that's within the world. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Father, I thank you. You keepeth and preserve my soul in life, Lord. You're my God, and I love you for it. Thank you, Jesus. And then you go get on that boat, and you remember his word. Let us pass to the other side, and that's where your faith is at. And you're not going to budge off of that. So when this he didn't say the storm wouldn't come, the storm came. And Jesus will know some storms are coming in the place he tells you to go. (laughs) I used to didn't know why, but I do now because he don't want us to be pansies. (laughs) Simple as that. He don't want us to be in little spiritual wimps that never have any troubles, never have any trials. A person who never has troubles, a person who never has trials, that's not a sign of great faith. They're in a place where their faith can never be revealed. If they have any even. How did he know those two people had great faith? Because they was in a crisis and and how they acted in the crisis. So the disciples... If they had great faith, they would have filled themselves up with the words of Jesus before they got on that boat in their daily devotion. Come on. At the hour of prayer. Come on. What were they doing there? What were you doing during the hour of prayer? Did you miss prayer? (laughs) No. Well, then what were you doing? (laughs) Because where's your faith? Where's your faith? That's why God's asking us, where's your faith? If you've been going to Family Harvest Church very long, I know you should have some. It's not going to be on the same level as it, it may be as someone else, but you should have some. <laughs> and that some should be growing into more. Amen? Now, the two people Jesus said had great faith, they were not in covenant with God. The four people he said had little faith were in covenant with God. The Roman centurion, when, when, he, when Jesus said, I will come to your house to heal his servant, the Roman centurion said, You don't need to come to my house. He said, for I understand authority. I'm one under authority. I say unto this one, come, and he comes, and to another, go, and he goeth. He said, if you just speak the word only. Say, speak the word only. If you speak the word only, I know my servant will be made whole. And Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. When he left, Jesus turned around to all of the Israelites, those in covenant with God, including his own disciples. And it was really an indictment against the faith of, of those in covenant with God. He said, I have not found so great a faith. No, not in all of Israel. Why did he say no, not in all Israel? Because if there was ever going to be great faith found, that's where it should have been found was in Israel. And he said, I've been going from village to village, from town to town, from region to region. And he said, among covenant people, I've never seen this kind of faith from a man that don't even have a promise from God. He's just doing it because he loves God. I think a lot of times people are serving God for the promise and they ain't not loving God. Cornelius didn't have a promise. Cornelius did not have a promise from God. He was an outsider to the covenant of Israel. The Bible says that those without covenant, they're they're without hope, without God in this world, without a promise. And Cornelius, it says that he said, I might not be able to be in covenant. He said, but um, you might not be able to accept me, but you can take my money. And and you're going to get my prayers whether you like it or not. I respect the people of Jehovah and I love Jehovah, even if I don't have a promise, I love him. And, and an angel appeared to him and said, your prayers and your almsgiving has come up as a memorial before God. And it caused it triggered uh, a response for God to give Peter his vision to not call unclean. What God has now called clean sent him by the hand of three men to go to Cornelius's household and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That because of the love for God that Cornelius had, that was the avenue that was opened up, the door that was opened for the gospel to come to his household. And all of those that he was in relationship and the entire world, the Gentile nations. Amen. Praise God. And so so we come to God with love for God. And then we learn about his promises, but now don't let those promises be what keeps you there. Listen, I don't tithe because he said he'd open up the windows of heaven, pour me out of blessing and there's not room enough to receive it. Why? Because the first time it don't look like them windows open, what am I going to do? I'm going to quit tithing. There's nothing keeping me there other than a selfishness motive, a motive out, out of selfishness. I don't tithe because he said the windows of heaven be open. I tithe because he said to, and I respect him. I honor him. If I never got a harvest. See, I'm not just trying to preach to you about things and that that's spiritual and all that. Listen, if I never got a harvest myself, if God just decided, you know what? No more harvest. (laughs) I need to be able to still be in the right frame of mind that I would still do what he said to do right here in this book. I don't know if you're going to do your part, but I'm going to do mine. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And I know you are doing your part. It just might not look like it. And I walk by faith and not by sight. Amen.